Welcome to Continuum, a podcast dedicated to your health. We'll introduce you to individuals throughout the healthcare world, from patients to providers, with a focus on inspiration and education. In this episode, we are joined by Dr. Diego Hernandez and Dr. Carlos Garcia. Dr. Hernandez is the Clinical Director of Art Research at the University of South Florida, and Dr. Garcia is a licensed psychologist, Marine combat veteran, and first responder. Together, they work with HUA, a nonprofit organization that supports our veterans with a focus on preventing suicide. The doctors discuss the unique factors surrounding our veterans' mental health, the emerging therapies being used to help our veterans, and the V22 campaign, whose goal is to prevent one day of veteran suicide. All right, again, thank you both for joining us. We have uh, not one, but two doctors, Dr. Diego Hernandez and Dr. Carlos Garcia. And what makes those two gentlemen so wonderful is that they they have an organization called HUA. Yes, HUA, uh, helping out our American heroes. Thank you both for joining us today. Uh, welcome. Thank you for having Glad to be here. Um, well, let's just crack right into this. I'd love to know uh, about both of you. Uh, you know, Dr. Dr. Hernandez, uh, you're a clinical director of art research at USF. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on what that is and, and what you're doing at uh, the university? Yes. Uh, so I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, and I am the clinical director of uh, art research or accelerated resolution therapy. It is one of five emerging therapies that really take a mind-body approach and target the memory itself. I mean, most of our mental health care is, um, has evolved since the 80s to focus on symptoms, and most of the treatments are designed to address uh, those symptoms. And uh, these modern approaches um, focus on how the memory is stored. So we've had several studies through USF with civilians and veterans and working with homeless veterans, working with combat veterans, working with active duty and folks in special operations. And then we've branched out that research to working with complicated grief and hospice, uh, developed a four-session protocol for that. And, and then that has led to work at the Mayo Clinic with using oh, wow. the same approach, treating um, cancer and transplants and other concerns um, medically, you know, as a type of trauma, because the way people experience it, um, you know, the body stores it differently, and um, and it impacts uh, recovery. That's fantastic. It definitely sounds like you keep pretty busy. So let's go to the other half of this dynamic duo, Dr. Carlos Garcia. And he is a licensed uh, a psychologist, a Marine combat veteran, and a first responder, and a total underachiever. Uh, Dr. Garcia, can, <laughs> can you speak to your experience and, and what what exactly you uh, do for HUA? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm a Marine Corps combat veteran. I uh, spent um, eight years right after uh, right after high school doing that, and then trans- transitioned out and uh, found myself in a, a career as a fireman uh, and a paramedic, and uh, did that for about seven years. And uh, then just, you know, got a little crazy and decided, hey, I'll go back to school full-time for the next six years uh, and get myself <laughs> a doctorate degree. Um, so I have my own clinical practice here in, in uh, sunny Tampa, Florida. And sort of my mission is to work with uh, veterans 
and first responders, whether that's you know police, uh, you know paramedics, uh, firemen, um, just because there's so much overlap in you know sort of their their response to, to trauma and, and the amount of trauma that they see, and you know after a while of sort of seeing how much overlap there was and how much you know some of these some of our heroes really is, is what we should call them, uh, how much they struggle. I thought that I wanted to take my experience. Uh, my past experience to, um, I think the the number one goal was realizing the stigma. And, mm, you know, we, we yeah. can talk a little bit more about the stigma. I can, I can talk for hours about the stigma of mental health. But particularly around, again, this idea of being a hero, we suck it up, we don't deal with it. And so that with both, you know, first responders and with military folks was so significant that I knew if I can sort of put myself out there in a way where, oh, here's somebody that's been there, here's somebody that's done that, here's someone that's really going to understand me. Um, I thought that I can bring, you know, a ton of value to to, to this population. Uh, that's fantastic. And, uh, of course, thank you for your service. Uh, so, HUA, um, we know it stands for Helping Out Our American Heroes, but how does it work? And, and what what more can you tell us about in general the the organization? Well, HUA um, is, was started by a group of rangers, and um, and those familiar with the military, um, there's uh, you know uh, uh, HUA is you know one of the sayings um, and cadences that um, rangers will use, and sometimes you know within the regular army, and their goal was to. Um, start to give back in some ways. I mean, see, you know, seeing their their brothers um, being deployed, um, you know, in this this you know increasing mission cycle, and so they started off with um, doing packages, um, care packages to to send to troops, and and it was irregardless of um, what branch of service or or or, um, or where you were stationed, as long as you're deployed, they uh, would raise money and put these packages together that eventually evolved into just the recognition with so many folks coming back and the task in front of us being so tremendous. I mean, it's bigger than what really the government uh, can handle, and they wanted to do their part. So they started uh, reaching out to folks, and Bob Sebastian, the founder of HUA, um, you know, him and I have mutual friends in the motorcycle community, um, oh, okay, and cool. got us together. And um, and it, this was around um, a ranger medic by the name of Doc Wiley, who had uh, attempted suicide, and they wanted to get him some help. And they brought him down to Florida, uh, and I worked with him through the memories um, as well as the loss uh, that he had recently um, experienced. And and after that, um, Doc Wiley was kind of on fire and started, you know, trying to get other guys down here to Florida. Uh, and then I connected Hua with um, a, an organization called the Veterans Alternative that was just starting out. It's founded by a Green Beret by the name of Brian Anderson. Brian okay. Anderson came cool. through one of our studies and got relief after one session, and then he was on fire and really motivated to start a program that uses the complementary modalities. That um, you know, physical fitness, yoga, IRS, along with the ART. So with the ART, we address the memories um, and current challenges. But with everything else, it's about reconditioning the nervous system. Right. And so for the past uh, four to five years, who has been um, you know funding flights? 
for veterans all over the country to come to Florida to the Veterans Alternative and um, and to receive the treatment uh, and care down here as, as part of the community and the Veterans Alternative. And from there, what we started to do is we started training uh, groups of people in different parts of the country in these techniques to start more local um, retreat programs. So that way people have a, a community that's in their hometown. Um, it, and it's just it, it's a really uh, great bunch of folks who care about what they're doing and it's a hundred percent volunteer organization yeah that's awesome and i and i i read that you're you're up to actually four chapters across the uh the u.s which is really cool oh yeah absolutely yeah texas tennessee minnesota and ohio I believe are the the four states that are are rocking the hua program uh that's that's great so can you talk about there, there's another component to this, and it's I think more part of what we're going to be focusing on today is there's the V22 campaign. Can you give us a, a general description of what that's about and how how that's functioning and how that's going? So uh, basically, uh, what the Victory for 22 campaign is, um, we're looking to raise fifty five thousand um, dollars, and that's going to allow us to get 22 veterans. Um, to treat their post-traumatic stress utilizing uh, the accelerated resolution therapy, which Dr. Hernandez was, was just talking about. So, you know, that's basically boils down to, to about, you know, only $2,500 per, uh, per veteran. And, um, you know, again, we're seeing this outstanding and just ridiculous number of veterans that are committing suicide every single day. I mean, it's, it's 22 veterans every single day. And, um, you know, it, it's time to, to do something. And there's a lot of various organizations, organizations that, are, that are doing something, but I don't think that they're supporting um, in this way, right? And that's yeah. just, you know, getting out there, raising the funds, and, and just taking that initiative to, to get these veterans some help. So can you walk us through some of the mechanics of, of actually how you're tackling a, an issue of this severity uh, or gravity? Well, I, I think the first part is that it's, it's what we're doing now. It's awareness. That's, that's sort of my biggest thing. Um, you know, any time that there is an opportunity to speak to someone about military culture, to speak to someone about what veterans deal with when they come back from combat, it's an opportunity for education. Okay. Because just sure. like with any other sort of topic, right? I mean, we can we can get into things like politics or um, you know global warming. If people aren't educated about it, then it, it, it's hard to to understand it. It's hard to be able to make an informed uh, decision or to take sure. action. And so I, I, you know, I personally think awareness is, is the biggest part. Uh, and so having conversations like this, knowing about the number of organizations that are out there what they're doing, how they're helping veterans, and allowing them to collaborate is a huge, huge piece of, I think, the first step um, to getting veterans the, the help they need. One question I have is, is as, as veterans basically become veterans, right? They come back to the U.S. or wherever. How do they find these programs? Uh, you know, how do you go from, wow, I'm alone, or wow, this is really way more intense than I thought it was going to be? I'm, I'm speaking generally here. Uh, you know, how are they, how would they find these organizations uh, across uh, the U.S.? Uh, most of it's through social networking and, okay. and word of mouth. 
uh, campaigns like this are are those efforts that folks can share with their friends and family, uh, and that's why it's really important. Just as uh, Carlos was saying, to uh, get the message out to the public and yeah. increase uh, uh, awareness. What I have found, I work with about eleven different um, veterans groups, and I'm currently um, touring the country with um, a play called The Last Out, an elegy for Green Beret with Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann. Um, and every community that we go to raises the funds uh, for this play. Uh, Man, you guys place. are busy. And it tells the story of the military family. Yeah. And everywhere we go, we, we find so much generosity, and we find people who they want to do something to help, but they don't know what. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's through you know, these efforts to build awareness and to... Um, and, and help folks connect with the, um, the veteran and military community uh, that we continue to spread this information. The military does have a fantastic budget. How is there not a little bit more funding going into, as you said, that transition from service to civilian? Well, there's, there's a number of different um, programs depending on the branch of service, and, and many of those programs are actually um, – collaborating with veteran service organizations oh, too. Great. I mean, there's um, universities who are involved. Um, you know, th- there's there's more that's being done because the realization is that transition is really that critical period where yeah. this person is going to be value added to society. You know, the government invests a ton of money, you know, into our troops. Um, and, and what they have to offer us is something that we, that as civilians, we have to um, help them in that translation. Like we mentioned USF before. USF was one of the first um, colleges in Florida and in the, um, the College of Nursing to actually look at um, you know, nurses and medics and, and, and have a, a walkover to give them credit for their experience and training you know, towards their degree in nursing. Um, and, and we need the same kind of effort on, on a larger scale. So if you do a, drove a truck in the military, you know, getting your commercial driver's license, you know, outside of the military. Right, yeah. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of that that's, that's happening over time. I mean, it's, you know, we, you know we, we've been at, at, at war, um, you know, for 18 years, and, um, and, it's, and it's during that time it's that, you know, some of the benefits is that, that we're, we're learning about some of these needs that, fo- that folks have in transition. Yeah, I I find that a little amazing. I mean, I am certainly grateful for everything that every soldier has ever done for this country. I, fi- I do find it a little surprising that there isn't a sort of standardized protocol for discharged uh, soldiers uh, who have served in terms of getting them connected with these kinds of services. But that may be a whole, so, yeah, a whole can, other yeah. podcast. I can but, speak a little bit to... to- my experience of that, I mean, I think more and more of these these organizations are out there now, and okay. and yes, there there may be some some spreading of the word. But I got out in 2004, and I'll tell you, back then there was nothing, there was no information out there. I mean, I, I and I think one of the issues, um, and you know, I don't know if, if uh, Diego can can agree with me on this, but a lot of men and women get out of the military with a mindset of, you know, look what I've just been through. I'm going to go out into the world and tackle things just fine, right? I'm Brazilian. I got what it takes. Sure, yeah. And it's only it's only after being out a few years that some of the distress and some of the struggling begins. Okay, so there's so, some latency You know, there. it's sort of like, yeah, finding myself alone now, where do I turn to, you know, what, what what's out there for me? 
So that's a nice. Yeah, actually, that's 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 pretty accurate, Carlos. Um, um, it's still the same way. You know, when you have people who are separating and medboarding out, the, um, they will work to connect them with VA services. Um, and then there's just there right now there's just more of a general you know get contact with the VA. They're going to follow up on your health care that that sort of approach. But these external veteran service organizations, you know, they're they're really just local community um, grassroots efforts. And the, and the average for folks is uh, two to three years after separation from the military. So it, so people are trained and conditioned to perform in certain environments. And the expectation is, I'm going to get through this experience. I've gotten through it, so then I'm going to get through what's next. And you just keep, you keep pushing. There's a, a, a saying in the military. It's called embrace the suck. Um, and you can do that, you know, for... Uh, for a specific goal to, you know, get through ranger school, get through selection, get through training, get through a deployment, get through a mission. You can embrace the suck and just push as hard as it takes, but you shouldn't have to live your life like that. Right. I, you, you've done, you've done your service. I, you know, uh, so I, I agree. And this is also kind of a nice segue into accelerated resolution therapy is we're talking about kind of that transition from service to being, back, you know, basically back to being a civilian and living life. Well, um, presently we have about 400 people trained in Army Behavioral Health, and we have a formal evaluation program going through Army Medical Command. Um, we have a study in the VA, um, and you know, the VA and the military are tied together, and there's there's some thresholds research-wise before uh, that you have to reach, and the study in the VA is the last threshold that we need to actually spread it further, but. There's general permission, and this is a you know a pretty um, um, uh, you know amazing threshold to reach to be able to uh, you know train active duty behavioral health um, and to work you know with um, our troops. And it's um, you know you know one of the things that we really deal with after a couple of years after somebody separates from the military is the consequences of living in a, you know a, a sub post traumatic state or a, a post traumatic state. And, and it's often the consequences that um, is, that come out of that. And, and the sooner that you can reach someone, uh, the, the 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 more clarity they're going to have on taking on the next set of challenges during military transition. Okay. We had a recent um, study that was just published last week um, that came from the folks who were at Fort Belvoir but who are now at Walter Reed, and they took eight uh, members of a unit who had experienced a, a traumatic loss of one of their unit members. Um, and they surveyed them for um, anxiety, depression, and signs of post-traumatic stress, took them through a couple of art sessions around that event, um, followed up w- with them showing that uh, you know, they, were, they were able to respond differently after the session, and then a year later that they had less indications of uh, anxiety, depression, or post-traumatic stress than their, than their counterparts. So in that, this is all basically in the, uh, under the sort of umbrella of accelerated resolution therapy, like we'll call it art. Uh, yeah, so imagine, imagine at, you know, after a difficult experience or event, um, you do a 30 to 40 minute session to, to help the, the body regulate the nervous system and process all that information. Um, in a way, that's more, that's more natural, but that, that gets stalled for a variety of reasons. And you can, in some cases, prevent the development of post-traumatic stress. There's a stigma around mental health, and, it, and it's begun to diminish, but it is, it's obviously still around. Um, you know, what can we do to stop the stigma and get veterans the help they need? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question and, and something you know that again even even over the time I've been uh, in this field you see small small improvements here and there I don't know if anyone has seen um, I, I think it was last NBA season um, there was this brief commercial talking about you know a couple NBA players that were dealing with you know some sort of, of mental health issue and so I think. You know, even small things like that are, are right. hugely important. But, I mean, if, if we look at the field overall, we're, we're nowhere near where we need to be. Mm. And this isn't just about stigma with, with veterans finding uh, mental health counseling. It's our entire culture. It's sort of the belief system that we have around what it means to go get help, right? Okay, believing yeah. that it means we're weak, believing that it means we can't cope. And, um, you know, I think... I encourage every mental health practitioner, every person that's ever been in therapy, whether it's been one session or you know two years of therapy, um, to get out there and really speak about it, you know, yeah. with pride and say, you know, this is something I was able to do. These are the things that I was able to overcome. These are all of the ways that my life is better as a result of therapy, and really normalize the experience. One of the ways that I do that is by, you know, telling folks about my own therapy experience. Sure. Right? So the way I've been able to, to manage and get through my own anxiety and depression in the past, and speaking about that again with, you know, I, I truly believe that one of the most courageous and brave things we can do is to say to ourselves, you know what, I have a situation on my hands that is just, I, I can't do this alone. And just like in the military or just like in life, how I would turn to a friend or a family member, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to turn to a trained professional that's going to help me move past this, that's going to make me stronger, it's going to improve every aspect of my life. And, it, you know, it's interesting, you know, I, I do a lot of sort of networking and speaking engagements. And as I'm out there speaking to folks about what therapy really is, right, so they, they can sort of attach a face to what a, a psychologist is, it's not you know, some, some guy with a beard and glasses and a tweed jacket who's, who's going to have you lay down on the couch in, 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 their, in their office. Right. Um, <laughs> being out there and educating the public about what therapy actually is is, is a huge uh, sort of opportunity. Yeah. Um, I think really, you know, more of these campaigns that um, talk about, you know, again, we can just look back in the last few years, Robin Williams, um, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, right? Those those sort of things, yeah. while you know, so tragic, are really bringing more and more awareness to, um, you know, what could happen if we're not taking care of our mental health. Yeah, yeah, and it also it makes me think it's just like uh, as a culture, it it also it's pretty obvious that um, people are much more willing to try, you know, and and I th I also think caregivers are much more prone to just prescribing a pill or some kind of med before therapy, which I think is why we see the, well, clearly there's an opioid epidemic and things like that. So uh, I can't imagine that that doesn't compound the issue a little bit here with uh, that, you know, the veteran experience uh, after, after duty. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I think, you know, I think the way our, our, our healthcare system is set up is, is a big part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, for instance, psychiatrists, if, if you can, you know, within an hour you can see four patients and get paid for four patients versus therapy where you're seeing one patient in that hour, right. guess what? Financially, that's, that's what they're going to do. 
And we are also a culture that, you know, that wants a quick fix. We want to put a Band-Aid on the problem. We don't want to struggle. We don't want to go through the emotional pain that might come up in in therapy. So, you know, there's there's a lot of pieces that, that do contribute to it. But one of the things that I, you know, I like, a lot of the clients that I that I work with, yes, some of them struggle pretty severely with depression and anxiety, but a lot of, a lot of them are, you know, what in our field is called high function. I mean, these okay. folks have a job and are successful at their job and, you know, are, are have decent relationships for the most part. But, you know, depression, what I say to people, depression doesn't always look like I can't get out of bed. I'm thinking about killing myself every day. Sometimes depression is waking up, saying, ah, today's going to suck, going to a job you hate, having zero joy in your life, coming home and being disconnected from family and friends, sitting, you know, in front of the tube and just watching hours and hours of TV, sort of drowning out whatever is going on in your life day after day, right? So so even that can be a, a form of depression. And so, again, normalizing what these illnesses look like, what struggling looks like, really allows people to say, hey, wait a second, I sort of experience that sometimes. Should I be talking to somebody or should I even just, you know, check in and, 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 and see if there's something going on here? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and a, an important part of the conversation, too, you're talking about normalizing things is really separating things out. It's like, you know, if you, if you don't have too many options and you're in a very menial job and you don't have much joy, it kind of sucks. Right. Um, but then we talk about that as illness, that all of a sudden you're ill when it's like, um, you know, working with a good therapist, they might help you, co- you know, connect with some of those with those feelings and um, and explore your options and and find some solutions or in other cases, learn to help you to cope with a circumstance where there may not be too many options. For example, when it comes to, you know, post-traumatic stress, there's. There, there's also military transition, and when people are struggling, you know, with with the normal process of transition, you know, from um, a normal abnormal level of performance and trying to get back to a baseline, um, there's so many aspects of it that it's just uh, that we we look at somebody's over response. Um, mm. One of the things I like to say is that what you how you learn to perform and what you did in Fallujah doesn't help you in Walmart. Because the body and the right. nervous system gets conditioned to perform at this level, and then you find yourself in certain situations where you over-respond, and then you feel yeah. guilt, and then you feel shame, uh, and then you start having trouble, you know, working with people who are operating at a lower tempo. Um, and you know, many of these struggles that are part of military transition um, are things that that our um, veteran service programs um, help to address. Whereas if you go to the VA, they're going to say it's like, okay, you know, you feel anxious, well, let me give you medication for that, or you feel sad, yeah. let me give you medication instead of, you know, as, you know, trying to see as many people as possible instead of sitting down and working with individuals through that transition, helping them to normalize some of that experience. Um, and even the same thing with post-traumatic stress. It's like I see it as more type two diabetes. It's 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 you know it's not an illness. It's it is more of an acquired condition that can provoke other illness. Like if right. you have a, a potential for anxiety or depression, but sometimes it's like when your life feels like it's out of control, um, you're going to feel anxious about things. You're going to feel depressed about things, and even feeling sad about something that is more circumstantial and contextual. Um, and when the circumstances and the context changes, and if the way you experience it changes, you know, that's not really illness we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd like to add to that, uh, Diego, because I, I think that's a, a brilliant point. 
um, you know, the clients I work with, it's never about changing your job or changing your relationships at home or, or changing what's going on. It, it is a, it's the way we're perceiving things, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's about yeah. managing or helping them deal differently with what's going on, seeing it differently, and experiencing it differently. That, that is really what normalizes when we talk about sort of bridging the gap between civilians and, and veterans, what other things are going on that sort of kind of really uh, reinforce the connective tissue between civilians and the veteran community? Well, in one of the areas where, where you're, you're seeing a, a pretty good job being done is on college campuses. Okay. You know, and many colleges in, in trying to draw and attract veteran students realizes like the, the needs of this community um, you know, you know, require um, a place where veterans can come and they can access um, different services through the VA, through the state, through you know, um, even DOD. You know, right there on site and have places where they can, um, you know, you know, study without a, a lot of stimulus um, and where they can have social contact and a sense of community. One, one of the biggest things that people lose when they leave the military is that sense of camaraderie and family and and um, and um, mission-mindedness and um, similar purpose, uh, and and you have to find that again. Um, yeah. If anyone's interested yeah. in learning about that in more detail, Sebastian Younger in his book Tribe um, really goes over it really, uh, in, in detail. It's, it's a huge loss, and it's part of feeling alone and disconnected. And and one of the things that we do is try to really build that sense of community and. When we have you know, veterans who run through our programs and become, you know, peer mentors or leaders, or, or the veterans who are therapists um, and come in and work, it's 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 like we're, we're we're able to work together in that community, you know, towards helping other veterans, you know, or others, you know, within society. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, and there's, yeah. I, I think you're familiar with this, um, Daniel, because you you work with the, the University of South Florida. Um, but they have a program that's called I Got Your Six. And basically every employee that comes in during their orientation gets a couple of hours of a training that basically helps them understand the culture of their student veterans and veterans overall. So it's almost, a, you know, it's sort of woven into their, their orientation process. There's also a ton of organizations. I mean, I know today we've been talking about post-traumatic stress and, you know, sort of mental you know, mental distress. Um, but I'm also connected with a ton of organizations around Tampa that are geared towards, for instance, veteran entrepreneur, right? Oh, so there's cool. this organization called Action Zone uh, here in town, and I went through their program. But it's for any veteran who's looking to start a business, has a business idea, um, you know, it's sort of this, you know, they get this service for free. Uh, wow. There's another organization called Bunker Labs. And so, you know, it's all it's about all veterans right we we do have yeah. veterans that struggle but you know how are we going to connect them to resources right after they've gone to see you know uh, diego and, and have worked through you know some of their some of their trauma right what are we doing for them afterwards how are we helping the transition afterwards yeah. and i think there's a ton of great uh programs organizations out there that are sort of helping veterans move from a place of just surviving to a place of thriving and really sort of living the life that they want after the military. Wow. So yeah, in, in, in the Tampa Bay area, we have a number of those organizations like Post 9-11 Veterans, um, Wounded Warrior Project. We have a number of motorcycle clubs. We also have um, 
you know, you know, different service organizations that are, um, you know, focused on the special operations community as well. I mean, because Tampa is a pretty big area for folks to retire when they separate from the military. Kind of sounds like there are sort of regions that are, are attract more veterans than others across the U.S., generally speaking. Right. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and that was one of the issues with um, the suicide data, because they originally with the number 22 they actually neglected certain parts of the country where there was just really dense populations of veterans so when uh, the DOD went back and looked at that I mean the recent publication was saying that the average is probably around 17 Um, I mean one is too many uh, and yeah and you see you know with a a lot of our older uh, veterans um, you know people who have separated from the military some time ago um, you know know, there's there's certain needs that um, that folks have, you know, one of them is mental health, but basic needs that we all have is to be part of a community, to have meaningful work, um, you know, meaningful connections with folks. Um, and that is something that affects us all. What resources do you recommend uh, for veterans suffering from, uh, again, just that the, the inherent difficulties of going from duty and serving the country to you know, everyday civilian life. You know, yeah, that's a that's a that's a, a big question. Just because there's there's so many organizations that are, are are popping up, and I think one of the you know one of the the ways we could do this is in, in some of these projects that I've been working on. You know, there's a I'm the um, clinical director and on the board for uh, an organization that's called Veterans Council and Veterans. And one of the things that we're trying to do there is to establish, um, you know, sort of this central hub where, depending on the veteran's needs, right, so we're out there in the public letting know, you know, letting folks know that we're out there, but then depending on the veteran's needs, right, is it with housing, is it, you know, with counseling, is it, you know, working, you know, trying to find a career, uh, sort of having this space where, we have access to other organizations, to other resources where we can say, hey, look, here are some points of contact, here are some organizations that you want to reach out to, and again, get them back into this place where, you know, they're, they're around other veterans, they're building that camaraderie outside of the military. That would be a tremendous resource. It almost, uh, you could kind of uh, almost filter the results based upon kind of what, what specifically you're going through. Is that kind of what you're saying? Right. That's really cool. Really cool. And so where can people learn more about HUA and the V-22 campaign specifically? So they can go to um, huainc.org. And, uh, you know, on there you'll learn, you know, more about sort of the, the story, the vision, the mission of this organization, um, you know, some of the chapters, the events that they, they put on. And, uh, you know, also a great place, you know, once you go through that website, you, you really say, Wow, this is you know this is something I can commit to. This is something I I would love to donate to, and so yeah. you know you can also go on there and, and donate to this you know this pretty pretty awesome cause. Um, you know also victoryfor22.org, another place where you can go find some information about um, you know the number of veterans that are committing suicide and how um, funding or supporting this campaign could could really help our veterans out. Uh, that's great. That's great. Well, Dr. Hernandez and Dr. Garcia, I really, really want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. 
Um, is there anything else that you would like to uh, mention to our listeners uh, regarding anything of what we have discussed today as we, uh, as we wind down uh, this uh, episode? So I think that the thing that I, I most want to say, one, to any veterans that are hearing this, there is zero shame in getting out there, talking to somebody, working through whatever is going on. And let me tell you, from someone who has had the experience of, of being in counseling and therapy, when you do that work, <clears throat> whether it's to work on trauma, whether it's to work through your transition, the sky's the limit in terms of, you know, when you let go of some of that stuff, you know, what you can do with your life. For anyone who's not a veteran out there and wants to support veterans or is a civilian, really arm yourself with as much information, really learn about military culture, learn about what our veterans go through, and get out there and try to find a way to support them. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, one of the things that I would um, really like to draw to folks' attention is that everything that you did in the service that you were trained to do that, the thing that you weren't trained to do was to separate from the service and to establish your life. Um, and high performers take the coaching. Um, it's you were you were trained to do everything that you needed to do to perform your mission and and to work with others, um, and you needed to work with others and to continue with that training in, you know, in the civilian world because that's the only way to bring across the value of what you have learned in your military service, and it's something that the civilian world needs. The other part of it is to tell your story. Um, I would I would look up. Um, uh, Colonel Mann's book, Mission America. Uh, it's a straight talk about military transition, um, and um, and look at the hero's journey. Um, there's a number of different storytelling um, organizations that work with veterans to help them tell their stories, um, and it's also a way for folks to connect with each other uh, and gain that sense of community. Um, everything that you did in your military service, you did it with others, and even your you know your success and your setbacks. It was all determined by the, the folks that you were with. Um, so becoming who you were in the military was based on your work and time and spent with others. And it's no different as a civilian. Um, you need the, the coaching. You need to learn. You need to work together. You need to have that sense of community because that strengthens us. Um, community is a force multiplier. And and together, we can take on a lot of these challenges. Um, and then that way, we can create an environment that helps to welcome our brothers and sisters home. Yes. Well said, both of you. Thank you. And uh, you know, Dr. Hernandez and Dr. Garcia mentioned a lot of different resources today. And we'll do our best to include those uh, resources in our show notes for this podcast episode. So uh, thank you both. I think we're going to wind down for today. I really, like I said, I want to thank you both, uh, both uh, Dr. Diego Hernandez and Dr. Carlos Garcia, both of you for joining us today. This has really been great. And um, yeah, that's all we have, folks. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's my, my pleasure. Our guests today were Dr. Diego Hernandez and Dr. Carlos Garcia. To learn more about how you can help our veterans, check out the show notes on the Continuum blog at VibraHealthcare.com slash blog. If you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Hernandez and Dr. Garcia, 
please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes as they're released.